Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pimples Podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is the Pipples Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a jam-packed show. I'm Alex. Damn it, oh, he did it again. Me again. Part-time Steve. We're going to have to cut his pay. We can just not sign a veteran presence. See how that goes for the fans. <laughs> And I'm Greg, I guess. I'll actually say my name this time. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can give us a follow on Twitter at PipplesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And in this year of 2023, I still do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Pipples Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Oh, free agency. That was, uh, it's been a Busy couple weeks since our last show. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Okay, so raise your hand if you thought after the last episode that Trevor Harris was going to be the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Put your hands down, you liars. Yeah, I uh, did not see that happening. Well, we, ta- we, ta- we talked about it as a possibility, but that was like moonshot. And I, I think my exact quote is, only if Danny Machocha would find a way to screw it up. And then again, it is Danny Machocha, so who knows? Little did I know, it wasn't actually Danny Machocha's fault, but Montreal I mean, still found a way to screw it up. Yeah, well, that screwed that up big time. And basically, it was just a swap, one for one, Trevor Harris for Cody Fajardo. Um, we'll talk about Cody in a little bit, but let's talk about the new quarterback here in Ryderville, Trevor Harris. First off, do you like this move, Greg? I do. I've always been a fan of Trevor Harris, despite the fact that he seems to have a bubble at the 20 yard line. Um, Like I I joke, Lothar's going to have his best year and that could very well be the case, but Hey, it's points on the board. Uh, We had some issues with that last year, but I I like Trevor Harris. He says all the right things. Um, He's doing the Tom Brady system. So we'll see if that actually works for anyone, but Tom Brady. Hey, you remember that uh, that that video of Trevor Harris a couple of years ago pulling a fire truck? Dude is shredded. That guy is in physical, like really peak physical condition. This guy is he's a machine. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm curious. Uh, I'm excited for what he can do. And the good news is for Rider Nation, all it's going to take is some painter tape and a sharpie, and you got a new jersey. <laughs> I love this move because one, it's an immediate upgrade over Cody Fajardo, and uh, as much as we do like, like the man Cody Fajardo, we have talked about the, the on-field and just how, I mean, the last year, poor he was, just with the happy feet. If the first read's not there, he just can't seem to make multiple reads and, and read that defense if, if it's not there. Trevor Harris. And I'm Steve. Oh, jeez. We're not starting again for you, Steve. Anyway, yeah, so, late, to, late to the party. <laughs> like a late, we late, late signing of Chris Trevler. He's here to be here. Jesus Christ! I've been here for thirty seconds. Don't you? I, I'm trying to get you to leave. That's all. Like it's it's going to be like Abe Simpson, Scott Flory system right here. Great. I feel like Austin Powers. I lost my mojo. <laughs> um, you know, you're right. We're talking about Cody Fajardo and. How much we res- respect him, but this is an yeah. upgrade, whether you, whether but, people want to admit it or yeah. not. And and I like this because Trevor Harris is a quick release quarterback, and that's honestly is something that was lacking over the last couple of years from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is a guy who can make quick reads. If the read's not there, he knows to throw it away, and that's not something that Cody has figured out yet. I mean, I admire the fact that Cody wants to make something happen out of nothing, and and he's going to go. Balls out every single play, 
and and that is admirable, but it it resulted in how many sacks against? And you're not going to get that with Trevor Harris. Yes, obviously he's going to take sacks too, but I I just I just like this move, and it's with uh, I'm I'm interested how it's going to be with Kelly Jeffrey, the new offensive coordinator, because Kelly Jeffrey was with Edmonton in 2020 before the season got canceled in Scott Milanovich's uh, coaching staff. And Trevor Harris was the quarterback going into that season for, for Edmonton. So him and Jeffrey have worked together getting the playbook ready for that year and, and just knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses and what can, what can they do. And now they're really going to be working together this year. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Steve, uh, since you joined in late, what do you think of the Trevor Harris? I think it's a great call, um, but you kind of touched on most of the things I would have said. This this quick release quarterback behind what was once a weak O line and might not be anymore is is nothing but a positive leading into twenty twenty three. I'm sure Greg made the joke about this being Brett Lothar's best season already. And did Am I, I, did I that predictable? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. As predictable as your computer failing on recording day. That is true. <laughs> or, or, or you know but showing honestly, being late. <laughs> honestly, I, I love it. I, I've always liked Trevor Harris. He's one of those guys that uh, you seem to, he, he's respected around the league. And he's he's got the talent. This is uh, this is a good move for, for O'Day. Okay, Steve, you mentioned the O-line. Let's jump there with the free agency moves. And uh, the two big ones on day one of free agency, uh, Peter Gobber and uh, Philip Blake. To me, Philip Blake is writing a wrong from 2019 and letting both him and Playback walk. Granted, they had Shepley and what's it, and Labatt there as well, too. So they thought they could afford to let him go. But Philip Blake coming back, a new starting center. And uh, they also signed Eric Lofton just a couple or what, the day before free agency or a couple days before free agency opened, um, potentially right tackle there, a uh, guy coming from Winnipeg. The change of pun line, something had to happen. Uh, I'm a little concerned. It depends where they put Blake. He can play pretty much anywhere on the line you want to put him. He's kind of um, like Mikowski in that way. But I, I don't know if they're going to repa- replace the biggest um, uh, weak spot on that line. And that is that right side ta- um, guard. As of right now, that right side of that line was terrible last year, and maybe Lofton's going to be a better tackle, but I, I'm i still worried about the guard. And maybe you put Blake there, but he can also play left tackle where also you need help. So The thing I like most about this deal is that Philip Blake to me is, if not the most versatile offensive lineman, he's up there. He's played center, he's played guard, he's played tackle, and he's played all of them well. He's one of those guys that if somebody gets hurt, you're not as concerned about shuffling that O line because you have a guy who can back up every spot on that roster. Um, and to me, the the Godbear signing is you're you're getting better and younger. You know, we we've touted the the success of dan clark over the last few years but the truth is he is was it 34 years old he's getting up there and i realize i just i just said a lot of good things about philip blake who's what 37 but you know clark is getting up there they had to look at the future and and godbear uh for all intents purposes is that guy that can uh can kind of be the anchor of this o-line long term so i think the plan going into training camp with the all offensive line is to try and get an American left tackle. O'Day's brought in what four or five guys to compete for that spot. So that's open right now. I think a fail safe is that is potentially a Philip Blake spot. If none of these guys wow in training camp, okay, Philip Blake's your left tackle. But let's just say one of the Americans take that spot. You have the American left tackle, you have uh Ferland at left guard, you have Godber at center. And at right guard, okay, you can kind of pencil in Philip Blake there. But if he ends up having to take the left tackle spot, then you have maybe Logan Bandy 
I think Zach, they're looking at Zach Fry to take a big step up this year. I'm I'm interested to see him because I love that draft pick from from last year and, and seeing him in camp this year. And then your right tackle to me, I think, is again penciling it in right now is Eric Lofton. So at that point, I don't mind that offensive line. I don't think it can get any worse than last year, uh, but it does show that Jeremy O'Day is serious about addressing the biggest need on this team. And everybody, I mean, all off season was yeah, but can you play O line? Well. How many O-linemen are actually available out there right now, especially Canadians, uh, before free agency? Precisely zero. So um, we, we had to wait till free agency before anything happened. And they brought in you know, two Canadians that are going to start on the line and another guy at right tackle. So, I mean, and then it was also said, we'll talk about Dan Clark now, is while he's very unlikely to be on the team before training camp, I'm curious about that. Is this a numbers game? Is this one of those things where, okay, well, let's just kind of see how this roster shakes out, and then if we end up having to cut a guy for whatever reason, then we bring back in Clark? Or is it when the offensive line starts getting some injuries, either in training camp or early in the season, we call up Dan and say, hey, you're coming to start, whether it's at guard or center. I guarantee you more than one GM called Dan going, stay in game shape. And if something goes sideways, we'll give you a call. Not just J.O. I guarantee you at least one or two other GMs did that because with Dan Clark, you know what you got. You got a veteran guy who's a good team player that will be very, very serviceable in either um, center or guard position. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if no one brings in Dan, but they're telling him to stay in shape because who knows what's going to happen during training camp. Do you really think he would play somewhere else, though? I don't. I don't I think really he would, do. but I wouldn't be surprised if a, a GM kicked the tires just to see. I honestly can't see Dan Clark in any other colors at this point. It's just it, it would be almost too weird. It would be like Weston Dressler, Darian. Der- oh wait, no. But at least he's he's the local guy. He's got that on his on his side. It just would be weird to watch him end his career anywhere but Mosaic Stadium. No, he's Johnny Boy through and through. High school, junior, to the Riders, to being the starting center for the Riders. Like, I I don't see him going anywhere elsewhere. But sometimes you get that itch, and if the Riders aren't he doesn't want to retire, maybe he'll take it one last chance out, out there, right? And if this is it for Dan Clark and he just kind of got phased out and that's the end of his career, I don't really like that. I think this guy has, he deserves to go out on his own terms. With everything he's gone through, being the heart and soul of this team for the last handful of years, at least anyway, um, but his dating his career back over a decade, winning a great cup in 2013, uh, his two incredible touchdown catches that he had. This guy has earned the right. Yeah. This guy has earned the right to decide himself when his last game is. And I know football is a cruel business and whatnot, and not many guys get to go out on their own terms. But I think if given the chance, he should be able to. And if, if this is it, then I think it was poorly handled. Um, At the very least, it could be like, Hey, you know what? Sign a one day contract and retire. But, that's when I get back to the whole training camp thing and, and what Jeremy O'Day said in his media availability on Wednesday was that maybe it's just a numbers game and, hey, Dan, stay ready because we know you're not retiring yet. And it could very well be the case where, like, the riders know what they got with Dan Clark. They don't need to bring him into camp. So maybe it's, let's see what some of these younger guys do, what your fries do. Um uh, the guy we got out of UBC who's big and scary that could have been in the global draft. Uh, 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 the man of war. <laughs> yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, just incredible. That guy, Elder Montare. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, see what those guys do because you don't need to bring Dan into camp. Like, as long as he stays in shape, you don't need to bring Dan into camp. He knows the system, he knows everything, he knows what they're doing. So. Okay, well, taking a flip over to the defense right now, just sticking with the with the lines anyway, um, O-line and D-line. 
D-line, obviously, before free agency hit, Jeremy O'Day was able to keep Anthony Lanier, making him the highest-paid American defensive player, uh, keeping Pete Robertson, um, to be able to do that. Obviously, A.C. Leonard was cut. Uh, he was due a bonus. Immediately signed in Edmonton, which shocked absolutely nobody. Nobody. He knew he was going to follow Chris Jones. Uh, maybe he'll flip him back to tight end. Who knows? Um, but in free agency, uh, solidifying that D-line by getting third time's a charm maybe for Micah Johnson uh, coming back over from Hamilton. So you put Micah Johnson in the middle with Anthony Lanier, and ooh, that's a good, good spot for the Riders. And then you have Pete Robertson, who was the best defensive end in the league last year before he got hurt, and maybe newly acquired Stefan Banks um, at the other rush edge spot. You got some, your D-line's pretty much set to me. Good luck running up the middle between Lanier and Micah Johnson and then have Larry Dean right behind them. Like, God bless you for trying. With this front seven, can we just take all of our episodes from last offseason and just play them again whenever we refer to this front seven? Because that that was already amazing, and I think we got better. That The front four in the, that the riders are going to walk out on game day might be, to me, the best front four in the league. And then you add in the three fairly good linebackers behind them. I, uh, I'm i not worried about our defense in the slightest. And even if you go back to the yeah. DBs, right now the only true question mark is that safety position, but Lacombo will be pretty good, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Adam back here. Like, who's who's throwing uh, at... Um, uh, why am I drawing blank on names tonight? Oh my God! Nick Who's throwing at Nick? Nobody. Like, Jeremy Clark. Yeah, and then Clark too. Roland Milligan. Yeah, like we're we're set. If if our offense can do any any kind of clicking in the first half of the season, we're suddenly looking like what what you know. If you look a month ago, most of Rider Nation was pretty ho hum about our odds going into this year. I hope people put a few bucks down on the team back then when the odds were a little a little higher and the money would have been a little better because I think the Grey Cup odds for this team are going to continue to drop down into a much more uh, expected level going into 2023. This could actually be a good football team. Lord knows when we won free agency in 2016, it paid dividends immediately. <laughs> Greg and I were joking about uh, that before. Remember how excited we were for Kendall Lawrence? Justin Capicotti, baby, and Sean Lemon. Best defensive signings we ever had. How many games did they play between them? Uh, Well, Lemon got one in. Oh, sorry, I, I said his name out loud. God bless. Anyway. Finally blocked me. I'm surprised. It took this long. <laughs> But it's funny because he just recently unblocked me. He just recently blocked me and came out of nowhere. I didn't, I mean, I literally did not say anything about him on Twitter at all last year. Then also, another blue, I'm like, why can't I see that tweet that uh, Valentine is uh, tweeting? Because it was a retweet of Sean. I'm looking for another team, Lemon. I mean, maybe he go comes back to Ryderville. He's still a free agency or free agent right now. Um, Guy who was the most outstanding defensive I don't, player. I, honestly, I respect him as a player. I legit respect him as a player. He's just easy to make fun of and with a really thin skin, apparently. So, and if he came here, I would love every minute of it because I know my timeline would blow up. But I, I'm, um, curi- I'm curious where he ends up, though. I'm really curious where he ends up because. The fact that he hasn't gone yet really surprises me. It's constantly amazing to me that a guy with his talent gets moved around this league as much as he does. I really hope by the end of his career he gets the Kevin Glenn. But like you're talking about a guy who's got 70 sacks over the last 10 years. Or sorry, 7 years. He's averaged 10 sacks a year over the last 7 years. That's impressive by any stretch. And that's seven. Yeah, and that's seven sacks per a new team. That's seven sacks per team. 
Like legit. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. His next CFL team will be his 11th CFL team. And he's doubled up on a bunch of them. And he still doesn't have the Glenn. It's got to happen. I hope. I hope he signs with every team once in his career, and does even better than Glenn, and actually puts up stats for all of them. <laughs> uh, getting back to a couple free agency moves, um, didn't talk about the receivers yet. Um, Jake Weineke out of Montreal, Jawan Breskison out of Toronto, and the one I was really hoping that Jo could land, and he did. Sean Bain out of Calgary. Um, a young, a small guy, 5'9", um, kind of fits into that Kyron Moore mold type thing. Um, but I think this guy has so much more potential. And I'm really excited about the Bain signing. I like Jake, Jake Weineke, even though he had that down year last year in terms of yards and touchdowns. But he had 8 and 11 touchdowns in his first two years. So this guy... He can find the end zone, and that's what this team needs is touchdowns. They sure didn't score a hell of a lot of them last year. Uh, so this guy knows how to get to the end zone. And I'm liking all of these signings for different reasons. I love the Breskinson one. That is probably my favorite receiver signing. Um, yeah, Bain, Shifty, and then Weineke is just he, – he's a good deep threat. But I love the Breskinson one. That's instant leadership. That's instant credibility. Good dude, and his mom's awesome. If Jawan Breskison can stay healthy, that's the biggest signing on the offense for me, O-line not included. Great player, great right passport, great talent, just hasn't been able to stay on the field the last few years. If he can put it all together and stay out there, I think the sky's the limit for him. And you add in if you if you follow him at all on Twitter, he is a positive first person. He's he's got a great attitude. He's going to be that positive reinforcement, that positive player in the locker room. It all it all points in the right direction for him. To me, that was the that was the big one. And the good news Maybe is he'll be a great rotational player with guys like Picton and Emilis and all those young Canadians. And and that's why it's such a big signing. And that's why I'm with Steve about. Being excited about this one too is because they have Keen Schaefer Baker. That's your your number one receiver in this group of receivers, but also your top Canadian. You have Ruskiston, Linnaeus, Emilis, Picton, who can all rotate in that second spot as well too. And then you have Riley Borsma, who I don't think you'll get a lot of looks this season, at least um, in, in regular season anyway. I think he's a project player, but I, I really like Riley Borsma to develop as well. So there's plenty of room here for these guys to, to come in. And the thing about Breskiston is, is a lot of people are questioning, can he stay healthy? He doesn't need to be that big-time guy that he was kind of you know shaping up to be in Calgary and then going to Toronto. If he can be that rotational guy, because that's, that's exactly what they need here, because you do have that Lennius MLS Picton who can all you know go in at any time. But yeah, this is this point in Breskison's career is his Jason Claremont to the Riders moment. Claremont didn't have to be an every down back, but all he had to do is be a leader and be productive while he was out there. And I think that's all we need from Breskison. Just stay on the field when you need to be out there. Now, when you look at this this receiving group as a whole, I don't love it. I like it, but I don't love it. Um Obviously, love Keen Shaper Baker. I will keep saying all year long, feed him, feed him, feed him, get him 10, 12 targets a game because this guy, anytime he got an opportunity, had monster game. The other two Canadian spots, Shaper Baker, and then the other spots, both will be rotational spots. The other ones, okay, you have Bain, you have Wieneke, and you have, we'll pencil in Tevin Jones as the other starter, I guess. And then bunch of young guys and, and everything else that'll that'll come into the training camp. I don't see a true number one there. I see a couple twos, but I see a lot of threes. I don't see a real go-to guy that maybe outside of Keen Schaefer Baker. I don't know if Schaefer Baker is that go-to guy. I think he has big playability, and he is by far their best receiver to me. 
but I don't see that guy that defenses are really going to be like, key on this guy. Like, we need to stop this guy and we can kind of figure out the rest. If they're double teaming. But if they're double teaming Keen Schaefer Baker, one on ones on the other guys, I'm not, I'm, I'm not enamored by that. I would still like to see maybe a vet brought in, uh, someone like a Kamar Jordan. Not that Kamar Jordan's the number one, but somebody else that, I don't know, that can, that can cause defenses to game plan around them a little bit. Don't, yeah, there's still a lot of good receivers out there. RJ Harris is still out there. Darvin Adams had a down year, but if he could put it together, who knows what he could do. Like There are players out there that we could definitely add. I know J.O. said there's adding for depth. Well, maybe that's what you do. But if you have a well-balanced offense, you don't need a true number one. You could have a 1A and 1B. You can have a bunch of twos out there. But if you can spread the ball around and get a couple more than 1,000-yard receiver, and that just shows your offense is um, – you have a well-balanced offense, and that's all you need. I think it'll just be more on uh, Kelly Jeffrey just to see how he uses these players and uses their strength. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. Again, I, I love that, the Sean Bain signing. Um, I really think they can turn him into a superstar. This guy is just waiting to explode, and I hope, obviously, this is the year that it happens here in Saskatchewan. Um, the other free agent signing happened before free agency started and it was a quarterback shape Patterson uh, was with Montreal in 2021. Uh, he was the number one pick in the USFL draft. Um, Michigan Panthers, and, baby. And he went one in five in his starts was not good. Um, he was all right in Montreal as a short yardage quarterback. So to me, if he actually makes the roster, that's kind of what he is, but I don't expect much out of that. I, but. I, Gotta admit, that's the we have a lot of quarterbacks on the roster right now. I think that's the most arms I've seen on the riders going into a camp for a long time. Like I think someone's gonna get shook loose here shortly. That's six. Trevor Harris, Mason Slime, Jake Dolagala, Shea Patterson, Levi Lewis, and Derek Cooper. Like some like someone like I Dolagala's probably gone. I don't know how what they thought about fine. They seemed pretty high on Lewis when they brought him in. They just brought Patterson in for some reason. So I have a feeling one or two of those guys is probably going to get cut here shortly. All right. And the other, uh, I guess, signing we'll talk about before uh, it was before free agency, but it came out after our last show is uh, we have our official receivers coach, Drew Tate. The former quarterback is the receivers coach. He's going to work with Naaman Roosevelt, who's uh, an offensive assistant. Uh, he's going to work a little bit with quarterbacks, a little bit uh, roles reversed here on this offense. I kind of like that. Uh, Drew Tate, the CFL's Alex Moran. <laughs> should watch Blue Mountain State. What a great show. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, I like Drew Tate. <laughs> it's always a fantastic. Who's the CFL's Thad Castle? CFL's Thad Castle? Who's the biggest meathead besides Mac Henry? Garrett Marino. Garrett Marino? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to uh, <laughs> Tim Roosevelt. Um, the reason why I kind of like their roles reversed is, you know, a former quarterback, he can tell the receivers exactly where he wants to throw the ball. I'm throwing it here. Be ready for this. This is what the quarterback wants. And with Damon Roosevelt working with the quarterbacks as a receiver, hey, here's what I like. Here's what I want. And they can work together, mold that. And I like having just younger guys uh, who have just recently finished playing not too long ago um, in the coach's room. So I, I like these signings. I, I, I'm really enjoying that the CFL is – bringing in some younger guys, some former players, because it's getting really tired of the same retreads going around this league constantly. It's it, it's good to see some fresh blood, and I, I hope it continues. All 
All right. Well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Uh, let's jump to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We're going to take a look at, we talked about all the rider signings. Well, obviously in with the new, but out with the old. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the losses that they had. Mentioned Darnell Stanky um, going to the XFL with the Arlington Renegades. Really interesting that he chose to go to the XFL. I think not, not that this is necessarily him trying to get to the NFL. Obviously, having the NFL eyes on him right away is definitely going to help. But I think he wants to play now and then possibly come back to the CFL once the XFL season is over and, I guess, maximize his I mean, paycheck, I guess. Um, Double dip. I think this is the guy. Who, yeah, I think this is the guy who just wants to play and get the eyes on him as soon as he can. But it's really weird to me because it was a Sorry, but it was really weird to me because the report was that Jeremy O'Day offered him $160,000 for this season, which would have made him the second highest American linebacker in the league, only $5,000 behind Adam Big Hill. He said, no, that's not enough. And if they're squabbling over $5,000, okay, O'Day, give $5,000, right? Exactly. Like, you you can find 5K somewhere. Like, come on, get get him at least tied with Big Hill. Um, and then, I mean, Cameron Judge is making the most of linebackers, but he also has a passport, fake passport, to uh, get him more money, obviously. But interesting that he would turn that down. And then uh, I don't know if there was no interest in him. I don't know if, uh, if the interest in him wasn't what he thought it was. I don't know. And then out of nowhere, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the XFL. That one's a little weird to me. The only thing about the double dipping that you're talking about, my understanding is XFL contracts run until December 31st of the year, specifically to prevent that. So the players can't go jumping between leagues, and they are XFL property until the end of that year. So I don't know that he can double dip the way it seems to be talked about like he wants to or like some of these guys want. It would make sense. But that's also a lot of football. You know, you're talking thirty games on a on a body. That's a lot of football in a year. I'm not sure many guys are going to hold up to that. But you know, it's it's also again a chance to play down south, play back home rather than playing up here. You gotta you gotta put all those things together, and you know, sucks to lose a guy of that caliber from the CFL. That's the last thing you want is is one of your top-tier players making that jump. You know, you're okay with the the rotational guys, but when you lose a guy like Darnell Sankey, you got to start looking and going, hey, is this going to be a constant problem, or is this a one-off? And he's not the only one. Hergie Mayala apparently is going down there uh, to the XFL as well. It's, uh, and there's someone else whose name's escaping me, but... Tremaine Washington. Cameron Kelly. Oh, Cameron Kelly, that's what it was. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, but there's a lot of people talking about this double dipping, but if that, if the contract case is true, there's going to be a lot of people just sitting at home taking less money thinking that they got a better view to the NFL, but I don't think they do in the XFL. How many, how many players made the jump from, um, the USFL to, to the NFL or the previous stint? of the XFL up to the NFL. The XFL had a few players. The XFL did have a few players. Not a lot. It's not a high percentage. And a lot of them are probably those big college guys who already had eyes on them. You know, I I wonder if a guy coming out of the CFL is going to get that, you know, that extra look that that he's thinking he's going to get. But I hope so. I mean, nothing would make me happier than seeing these guys end up in the, in the NFL. That's, that's what they want in their career, whatever route they take. It's good for them. All right. Well, we, uh, you know, the losses, obviously Cody Fajardo going to the Montreal Alouettes. We touched on that earlier. I want to get, I want to talk a little bit about his comment, uh, made about, uh, Craig Dickinson. So he said that Jeremy O'Day called him. They had a really good conversation. He said that Craig Reynolds called him. They had a really good conversation, but Craig Dickinson didn't call him. And he, 
Cody Fajardo said that hurt him a little bit, that the coach didn't call him. And it was really five weeks prior to Cody being benched that Dickie was saying, hey, play better or I'll bench you. And I mean, we were all saying that Cody should have been benched uh, probably in earlier than he was, but the timing was just stupid. And, and that's on, on Craig Dickinson. But what's your take on these comments about Fajardo just, I guess, being upset by Craig Dickinson not calling him? I love Cody. I do. I love Cody the man. I like Cody the quarterback. I have a problem with Cody the media personality. And I hate using the term mentally soft because it has bad connotations, but he definitely did not have the the demeanor to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, you you do need the Danny Durant FU guys. I will tell you what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. And it sucks because I said Cody wanted more like everything in his body wanted to be the starting quarterback. This is Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He wanted to take this team to a great cup. He wanted to win a great cup in Saskatchewan. Unfortunately, the pressures of being a quarterback in this fish bubble and then this fishbowl is not for everybody. And but Craig Dickinson is a coward for not calling him. I'm sorry. Like Craig is one of those guys, and it is proven by the way he's done in the media. He will talk crap. Like he he he's almost too honest to the media, and then he has to go back and fix his mistakes in the locker room. And several players have called him out on it, which is not good for leadership either. Do what you say, say what you're going to do. And Craig sends mixed messages all the time. So I don't blame Cody for the mixed message part. But I do think Cody needs a thicker skin if he wants to be a star quarterback in this league. Doesn't matter if it's here or in Montreal, where apparently he's learning to speak French. Oh, we have a visitor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what I missed. Steve, do you you find a lot of people are just saying this is Cody Fajardo whining? Do you see it that way? I don't, I don't think it's why I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I, I have to agree with Greg. We're seeing too much of these comments over the last, you know, eight months from, from Cody Fajardo that show me, I don't think this is the right place for him, for his career. I think him moving to Montreal in a much more other sport heavy area, you know, they've got the Habs, they've got the Montreal uh, soccer club, whatever their name is. Um, Former Impact. They, they've got other, you know, the other markets that he doesn't have to be the main guy in the city. He can just go out there and play football. I think he's going to do well there. I think it's going to work for him. But this this constant complaining about how he's been treated when the last half of his career here just was not good. You know, he should have been benched weeks before he was. And he's complaining that the coach was telling him if he doesn't perform, he would get benched. If I don't do my job, I get fired. He wasn't doing his job. He got to get paid to sit on the bench. And this and is... make quite a bit of money doing it. I just, I don't, I don't have a lot of pity for, for guys who don't perform and then have to get you know, have to sit because I don't think the organization wanted their QB one to be sitting in a do or die game, but they had no faith in them. And that's just coming from an, uh, a guy who loves everyone on his team, like Craig Dickinson, like the ultimate nice guy. Um, meanwhile, you look at Demetrius Maxey, um, the line coach for the elk when he played, he played for Don Matthews, and Don Matthews cut him every single practice. He says, if you are not the best player here, I will find somebody who is. And that was just, okay, I got to be better. And 
Demetrius Maxey became a phenomenal player because he got cut every single day. You know, as a professional athlete, if you do not perform, you're going to be benched. And to be told that should be nothing. You should just know that. Hey, if you're not playing well, we're going to have to bench you. Yeah, okay, that, that sucks, obviously. But that's that's pro sports, right? That's, take it take it as motivation and yeah. prove prove him wrong. Exactly. And Cody, rightly or wrongly, takes that to heart and you can tell it was affecting him. Like how many of those post game press conferences were the woe is me Cody corner? Like it it was it was worrisome near the end of the season. Well, hopefully with the fresh start in Montreal, we see uh, we do see a better Cody Fajardo. I um, wish him well. I really do. Yeah, I think I think everybody here does. And I mean, he's just just a nice, likable dude. And hope he does well there. And it's just one of those. Hopefully, a change of scenery for everybody is better for everyone. Um. A lot of, uh, we talked about the receivers that we got, lost a lot of receivers. Tyron Moore going to the Evans Elks, Shaq Evans to the Red Blacks, Duke Williams to the Ticats, um, to join up with, uh, Chris Edwards. I- I'm looking forward to seeing him and Edwards going up against each other in practice. Every we we need a hard knock CFL we're... this year. Can, can, can we yeah, get a hard knock Ticats? He's going to throw the punch first. That's all I want to know. You know, I, I threw out a tweet the other day about what would be the most shocking signing. And, you know, I was saying Simone Lawrence to the Riders, but Chris Edwards to the Ticats might be right up there. The fans hate him, and rightfully so after the crap in the, the East Final a couple of years back. Like, I don't know that there's a fan base that hates a player quite like him. This is going to be and then DA the, all the over the with them the last yeah. time. And, like, and then to turn around and sign with them, I'm excited to see how they respond to him at camp and coming out for the the first little bit obviously it's like Dwight Anderson here as soon as you throw that jersey on all is forgiven but I I expect there will still be some resentment there much like if Simone would sign here I I'm excited for it I really am as of now Simone's still a free agent so who knows there's a lot of guys that are still out there that surprise me well, uh, we'll we'll dig into that in, in just a minute here. Um, Justin McInnes, obviously, going to the Lions. Offensive line. How does Josiah St. John? I know exactly why Josiah St. John's in Edmonton. Because Chris, Chris Jones, Jones needs to make sure his first ever pick is least important. Actually, the uh, Elks, Elks social media team, I got to admit, I don't know if they meant it as a as a dig to Chris Jones, but they put out a Valentine with Josiah on it, and it was, you're, you're still my first pick with a heart around him, signed Chris Jones. Well, that's funny. I didn't see that. <laughs> I, I may, may have got the quote wrong, but something about you're always my first pick. And I, I, you know- I laughed really hard at that. But as a depth guy, he's not a bad sixth, seventh lineman to have kicking around the locker room. It's just no, he funny was that here. happened in Edmonton again. And it's one of those guys like AC Leonard, like Ed Gainey, or sorry, Luchez Purifoy. You know, he's basically just re-signing former riders that he had when he was here. He he has his guys, and wherever he goes, his guys follow. I'm honestly surprised that uh um, oh my God, uh, Jefferson hasn't gone to uh, Willie Jefferson hasn't gone to Edmonton somehow. Mac Henry still hasn't signed yet. I'm surprised he's not, he's not back there yet. But it's just Chris. Everything we've heard about Chris Jones as a coach, as a general manager, is guys either love him or they hate him, and he either loves you or he hates you. And the guys that he loves, he will make sure they get a paycheck. And he loves Josiah St. John. Don't know why. Why? But he does. He does. Uh, Taryn Vaughn, former left tackle here in Saskatchewan, going to Ottawa. 
One that I'm really surprised by um, is uh, fullback Justin Tuck going to the Lions. Not that uh, uh, going to the Lions is surprising, but I really thought that they'd bring him back. I thought he was uh, he did really well here, and I thought he could have been a, a good piece on this offense. Obviously, not a not a full time starter by any means. Um, but I wonder if that's a, a, a Kelly Jeffrey thing, where you know what, maybe we're not going to use the fullback like Jason Moss did. We're not going to do that kind of thing, which is kind of funny to me, just because Kelly Jeffrey was the running backs coach last year. Uh, probably want the running backs involved, but I I, I, uh, I love the old school smash mouth fullback running back combo. I that was awesome last year, but. We got to watch you as well. Like, yeah, Tuck's a little bigger and Tuck's a little more smush, smash mouth, but I, I think a watch will fit fine in that position. And two uh, linebackers leaving as well Jordan Herdman Reed going to the Lions. Uh, no word about Justin Herdman Reed yet. Um, and Gary Johnson Jr. going to the Red Blacks. Obviously, just the depth pieces there, not a big loss on either of those by any means. Um, but Still some good free agents, as we've mentioned. Who do you think the Riders should go after that's still out there? Before, like, R.J. Harris is out there. Uh, Mike Jones. Like, there's some de- decent receivers out there. That would be Rasheed some Bailey. good depth spot. Hmm? Rashid Bailey. Well, he's only, was it 32? I would absolutely like be calling him. But I feel like his ask would be too much. I still think he thinks that he's one of the top guys in the league. And while he's he's definitely not a bad receiver anymore by any means, he's still a, a, a good receiver. I think he's a a compliment piece. He's a he's a two um, to you know like a Kenny Lawler, Lawler last year in Edmonton. Um, but I'd absolutely be giving him a call. Um, that's a that's a second down converter guy. That's a deep threat. Uh, the guy can do it all. And I think that's something that the Riders could absolutely use. Um, I like Lamar Durant's being available, but also they're kind of stacked at that Canadian spot. So you could probably save your money there. Um, but I'm looking at like, yeah. guys like uh, Abdul, like on the defensive side, like Abdul Kanae's still out there, Toby and Tiga. Like these are good guys that we could rotate in in the spots that we have and it would be awesome. You think Ellie Buka would come back? I would love Ellie Buka back here. Especially Actually, you know who would be a good fullback? Uh, Milanovic leader. Uh, Mitra. The old Chris Jones, hey, we'll give you an extension and cut you two weeks later. You just, just wait, out, wait out the Elks, and they're going to have to release one or two of their receivers because they got a lot of high-paid guys on that. Uh, on that receiving core, we'll wait out Geno Lewis when he gets cut for not for not accepting a pay cut. Oh yeah, in, he's uh, he's going to have to take a pay May. cut at uh, free at uh, training camp. You know he is. That's just the way the old Chris Jones thing works. Yeah, you're going to see that renegotiation on the CFL transactions list. We'll take fifty thousand off your paycheck. We'll give you a hundred grand now to do it, or you get nothing now. Yeah. Now that there's no money out there for you. you know who we need? Shy Ross. That's who we really need. We need more backflips. TikTok. Let's go. I don't uh, know. There's 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 legit a lot of players out there that I'm surprised did not go day one. And you didn't even hear a peep of any teams kicking the tires during the uh Ed Hervey window. Like it, it really surprised me. Just a side note, you don't it really makes me mad that we have this tampering window or this negotiation window, whatever you call it. And it takes them 18 minutes to announce a signing. When Ed Hervey was a GM, we had signings 30 seconds after free agency opened. So, like, I like how everybody is... We had a signing so fast, you need a time machine to beat it. Like, it it was ridiculous. That was when they were still sending faxes to the league, and you can't send a fax 30 seconds. Um, but everybody's sitting here hitting refresh. Like, come on, do something. We already know where these guys are going to go. Just announce it. Maybe we'll get a shocker out of nowhere. 
and it took them 18 minutes for the first one to be officially announced. I'm like, way to go, CFL. So, well, so CFL mean, had to announce that they bought uh, that they were taking over the Alouettes first and let that stew in in the in the pot before we got to the free agent signings. You know, what a mess in Montreal. Hopefully they do get uh, good local ownership and um, get that resolved anyway. Because that, what a mess! Like, and and you even heard Trevor Harris say that uh, you know if things would have been settled last week. Maybe he might have stayed there. You know, things things may have been different, but he wanted to in that negotiation window make his decision quick and just and and go with that. And with the uncertainty in Montreal at the time, and with I mean Danny Machocha's hands kind of being tied there. I mean, well, I this, is all big, this is all this is all just a big uh, conspiracy. So the writers return to prominence. The league well, planned this way. God, I love the internet. The riders to get to prominence, they would have waited until after uh, free agency, so we could have gotten one of the big receivers. That because uh, didn't uh, Ellingson ended up in Montreal, didn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah. If they wanted us to return to prominence, wait till after he signs here, then announce that. But no, he had to do it before and give them a chance to get players. Kind of rude, if you ask me. I wonder why Walter Fletcher signed back in Montreal when he knows that uh, Jason Moss doesn't run the ball. Well, he'll get a paycheck for being used in the first quarter of games, and then he can just sit his ass on the bench for the last three quarters and just not get hurt. So that's pretty great. Well, yeah, and be, and he's behind standback, so he's really not getting the ball. Nobody misuses two running backs quite like Jason Moss. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we only really have time for one more thing, and that's going to be a bit of a rant here. Um, Greg, it's you're so the one long that ago. I, I, if this was like the day of, I would have lost my mind. I still might lose my mind. I might get there eventually. Okay. Well, you, you have your pick of two because we have this written down. We can talk about the Riders game use sale. Um, or we could talk about the lovely, which I have in my hand. I haven't got uh, that yet. Craig Reynolds' letter to the fans. So um, I'm going to start with that one. Not, don't get me wrong. Paying six hundred dollars for a rider helmet, um, game war helmet. Yes, not even signed. Just, just, just a helmet. Sure, six hundred bucks. Okay, that's that's one way to pay for the stationery that uh, Craig Reynolds sent out. To season ticket holders, because <laughs> I actually, like I said, I haven't even got mine, so I can't even tell you quote for quote what it is. But I, I have seen it, and I am glad that they realized that they sucked. I'm glad they okay, realized well, that fans are important to sports. Well, but, let me re- let me read this here because I'm, if you didn't get it, then I'm sure a lot of other people didn't get it as well. So, starts off with this. Dear Alex, ooh, it's even personalized. Let me take a moment to express our deepest gratitude to you, our fans. Your unwavering support and dedication are truly what drives us to be our best both on and off the field. You are the heartbeat of the team. You are the ones who fill the stands, who cheer the loudest, and who never give up on us. You're the reason we play the game. So you they create don't listen the to podcasts is what they're saying. <laughs> you create the energy and excitement that drives us to be our best. Well, there's people in the organization that listen. I know that. Um, we understand that as fans, you have high expectations for us, and last season we fell short of delivering the on-field results you deserve. We are committed to making things right and are taking the necessary steps to improve. We want you to know that we are de- dedicated to giving you the best possible experience, and we will continue to work hard to make every season a success. And we promise to always keep you in our hearts and minds to represent our fans with pride. Here's my problem. Okay, so this is this is this is marketing suicide. This is a bunch of people sitting around a table going, "How can we tell fans that we actually care?" After a bunch of fans, i.e., us, have told them for the last couple of years that it seems that the team no longer cares about the fan. They're all they're doing is gouging. They don't they don't care about season ticket holders. They don't care about the people that spend the money to pay their paychecks 
for them to put a winning team on the field. And it's a bunch of people sitting on a table. It's like, well, let's send it. It's uh, let's send them uh, like an email. No, 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 no. Email, not personal. Let's send a form letter, personalized, randomly, to our season ticket holders, telling them how much we care about them. Horse, almost swore. That that is the most cynical garbage I've ever seen. There's no true emotion to it. There's no true feeling to it. It's here's your pablum. Take it. See, we care about you. Spend your money, losers. That's all this is. And it is so insulting and a slap to the face. If they actually cared, if they actually wanted to take that extra step, do a freak. And, and I know it's no, and no one answers like random phone calls anymore. Do a phone bank with your season ticket holders. Get a bunch of players. It doesn't matter if it's a the third string running back. If a rider phoned some ra- uh, some senior sitting at home who's bought season tickets for 40 years, and it's like, hey, it's so-and-so from the riders. Just want to thank you for being a season ticket holder. That would go a long way. If they still gave out paper tickets, have a couple players, even if they are scrubs, delivering tickets would go a long way. This just form letter that could be sent to anybody from any team saying, hey, we understand you cheer for us and you come to every game. Yeah, of course we do. We love this team, but you're still treating us like garbage. It is so frustrating. Okay, so you got me going. Think about how many shoelaces they could have bought with the stamps (laughs) they bought to pay for that. I would rather the shoelace. When that like when that letter shows up, it's like, why? What's the point? I would rather the shoelace. I would rather the box that just sits here and let my kids end up destroying later. The useless hologram, the keychain. I don't care. People like the tchotchkes and the knickknacks. No one's going to care about that letter. It's literally going in the recycling bin once people realize what it is. It's a token gesture that's not even a gesture. You know, you know what I see here. Sorry, you know what I what I read here is that we had one bad year in a in a year where we were expected to be in the Grey Cup because the Grey Cup was here and we just had back to back West final appearances and we're one play away essentially from winning both those games. This shows that a lot of people did not renew their season ticket. Yep. It shows to yep. me that they are losing fans in the stands. This shows to me that after the three-year MVP plan is up, a lot more people are planning to let their season tickets go. And this is them trying to spin their way to keep people around after the MVP plan because they see those season ticket sales go down and down and down. It means nothing anymore to be a season ticket holder. You can just grab tickets whenever you want. Look at the last... uh, Look at the last couple of years at uh, at Old Taylor Field. The only way you could guarantee you'd be there for a game was with season tickets, unless you wanted to pay out the yin yang for people overcharging on the on the second market. This is a team that I mean, Craig Reynolds, obviously, who this came from. Well, his he office, cares anyway. He cares. Yep, he cares. He sees all the numbers. He's an accountant. He sees the money that this team is missing out on. Not necessarily losing, but missing out on. And this is them trying to save face with the people that still have tickets, um, when really what they should be doing is doing what Edmonton has done and have their ticket office, or even former, or like you said, have scrubbed players phone former ticket holders and say, what would it take to get you back in the stand? How can we get you back to cheering for this team at Mosaic Stadium. Take a day for Trevor Harris. Get him to say, hey, I'm new to Rider Nation. I would love to have you come back. What can we do to get you back in the stands to cheer us on? How can we do that? That's what they need to do. And if they did that, you'd probably have, okay, well, maybe I won't get season tickets, but that was such a cool gesture. 
Yeah, I'll go to a couple games. And that's how you win them back. So to me, this is, this is like you said, it's, it's an all empty PR gesture. Spin. It is so empty and so corporate focus group. This is, this is, this will do. It's like, what, how much money can we give poor people that think they're rich? Like, yeah, we'll just pay them out a thousand bucks and they'll move on. Like, that's, that's what it is. What is the least amount we can do that will make people happy? And that's what it is. And if the riders wanted to do something, the, the smarter thing they could have done was what, what Edmonton announced today. Now, obviously, they have an advantage with their gigantic stadium. But they announced two adult tickets, two child tickets for I think it was two hundred and sixty bucks. Season tickets for two hundred and ninety bucks or something like like I realize again, a sixty thousand person stadium where you're not selling out any games, you can afford to do that. That gets people in the door. But having family options like that that makes sense and advertise it and get families in the door. Do that rather than this useless um attempt at marketing and trying to appease people. Nobody is going to be made to feel better because they got a letter with a stamped on signature or was it a printed on signature? I think it was a printed on signature. Uh, Printed on. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only, the only buddy person that did anything personal with that was the guy who erased my name and added yours and then erased my or yours and added Greg's. It probably wasn't even that. that. It'd be, they wouldn't even had to do that. It is computer generated down to the next season ticket holder. Like if the if it was a business and it was the Piffles podcast, the would be dear the. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine dear the. Like just ridiculous. Oh. It's so empty and so cynical, and it just pisses me off. Because this team at one point was the lovable losers. You had, you had. Hobson out there being like grandpa rider, like, hey guys, come to games. And and I understand Hobson was not like that in real life. He was a diehard businessman. But they they sold a family generated small t- we're a small town. We're this. We are one people. We may be the small guys, maybe the little guys, but we will give you everything we got. And now it's not what it used to be. And yes, I understand I'm getting older and I feel like I'm Abe Simpson talking about tying an onion on my belt because that's the style at the time. But give me five bees for a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) But this is not how you bring those fans back. The people that have the money to pay for the ticket prices that they have, they have. This is not how you bring them back. Maybe this is something that works in Ontario where the team's marketing firm is based out of and where they hired them from. This is not how it works in Saskatchewan. And this team is losing that. They're losing the Saskatchewan part of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's a different market. You have to market differently. And I, I, like, I, I'm all for trying new things and, and doing new initiatives. I'm also in the minority of that here in Saskatchewan. I realize that. People want what they've always had. They want access to the team, and they want to boo the starting quarterback and cheer on the backup. That's what they want. But, yeah, this whole thing was just ridiculous. Also, don't spend $600 on a helmet. Or $300 on a jersey. Just don't. Hey, they dropped the uh, prices down to, I think it was 400 for the helmets now. That's a little more reasonable. Always end on a, on a good note here in, on the Pibbles podcast. <laughs> so go buy a helmet now, 200 bucks off, because they didn't sell any at $600. What's sad is they probably still did. They sold, yeah, oh, they, they probably absolutely did. Yeah. Yep. And but, that's why nothing is ever going to change. Nope. I'm excited for my 2024 form letter. Uh, and with that, I think we're done this <laughs> week on the Pipples podcast. Um, we'll have more articles coming out uh, throughout the next couple of weeks, obviously keeping up with the free agency signings 
um, and whatnot, everything else that goes on here in Ryderville. Pitbull's podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friend at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Fast Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Cassie Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Pitbull's podcast is also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. As we leave you, this is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. And we're heavy for scurvy.